The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Well, it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the funny, bizarre, and weird elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm Noah Scott, and I am once again thrilled to <laughs> I'm thrilled to introduce my Blather Skype co-host, Brandon Riddle, to the show. Blather Skype co-host, it is. Glad to be here, Noah. <laughs> I, where do you find these words? Um so so blather sky i forget where i found it but it's just um someone who talks nonsense for a while which makes a lot of sense actually okay I'm, I'm, yeah that makes sense a, i'm in that is a fun word blather sky is it feels almost german like you can yell I it, it was, yeah i thought it was like you know gave me some german energy there blather skite or like like you know like uh Nor- norwegian or something like oh something. i can see that yeah like a nordic country yeah and it's like some kind of fish cool um anyway what we got going what we got going on today noah i genuinely could not tell you because this is the first time i'm reading the rundown because this is a uh you put this one together so it looks like we're talking about uh somebody named uh hector espino uh, hector espino the rebel of chihuahua which sounds wildly entertaining uh, and then we are playing a game. Uh, we're bringing back the rent extend cut game. Uh, this time, uh, playing with some center fielders. So uh, I'm excited for that. I don't know who we're talking about yet, so that'll be, that'll be fun. <laughs> and that's actually going to lead us to uh, something else you may not know: pickoff trivia. Pickoff trivia. All right. So this one it might be a little short. Um, who was the first pitcher to officially throw a pitch 100 miles an hour? I got to be honest. I feel really good about saying Walter Johnson. Ooh, Walter! How do you think they was that like with the uh, the motorcycle method where they ran against the, the motorcycle? motorcycle? Okay, I was the motorcycle. Okay, well, officially the first player to pitch over hundred. Can, can, can I can I give a second guess though? Because I feel like I can give wrong. you a I can give you a decade. My second guess. Well, I I just I for me I think it's between two players. Okay, if it's not Walter Johnson, it's got to be Bob Feller, right? Ooh, Bob Feller's another good one. Yeah. So I'm wrong on both. Okay. <laughs> okay well it really just depends how you, you say official with all these yeah, I, I guess with yeah. the modern radar gun let's go with that with the, with okay. the radar gun um 1974 nolan ryan nolan ryan that was the third okay 100.8 miles an hour and that was when now now remind 
Now you say it with a modern radar gun. I remember watching the fastball documentary. Was that when he was throwing it through like the copper coils at home plate? So this was during a game. This wasn't during that test. I do remember oh, okay. that. that. So that was, that was really cool to see the, throwing it straight through this copper coils to get that velocity. Uh, but this was during a game. So maybe yeah. I should have rephrased it <laughs> that way. I feel like just like while we're on the subject, it might be a fun fun opportunity to tell that that uh, just a very brief story about about those you know trying to get velocity readings for those. Oh yeah. Pictures. So when we we briefly Brandon briefly mentioned a, a motorcycle. So there used to you know there, there was this big Hall of Fame pitcher. His name's Walter Johnson. The big uh, train. They called him the big train, which is one of the coolest uh, one of the coolest nicknames I think out there. Uh, but they so this guy he threw so so hard uh, and of course at the time when he played I don't remember what was he 30s 20s 20s 30s Walter Johnson uh 30s I think 30s 20s yeah Um, around that time where obviously they didn't have radar guns like they do today uh, very precise readings but everyone knew he threw hard and of course being humans naturally inquisitive they wanted to know just how hard he threw uh, so what they ended up doing was they had, <laughs> they had, I, I think he actually, did he throw it at like a wall or did someone catch him? I, um, I think someone caught it, if I yeah. remember correctly. But they had him line up, right? Uh, you know, uh, you know, traditional mound distance, right? And throw as hard as he could at this catcher or target. Uh, and they actually ran a motorcycle uh, going <laughs> going like alongside him, I think at like 100 miles an hour, right? And the motorcycle, it, it had like lead up time to get to that mm-hmm. velocity. And they got there at the same time. And it's like when you think of like just the scientific method, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's what we got. Well, I'll tell you what. I got this guy with the motorcycle. Let's see how fast we can go. <laughs> You're going to drag race a motorcycle, and if you beat him there, you throw 100 miles an hour. That's how it works, and it's science. <laughs> like, yeah, anyway. you, can't, you can't say it. You can't prove it wrong. Yeah, so that that was the motorcycles, and you had mentioned uh, that they, they brought for Nolan Ryan, I believe it was, or Bob Feller, like a military yeah. radar out where he had to throw a ball right in a small box. Yeah. And do you remember what was all in that contraption? I I very I remember like there were some metal strings that I were it, yeah, holding it metal, down. It was uh-huh. like metal or copper strings that were like suspended and, and like, you know, un- unraveled down and he I think it was two sets, right? Yeah. He hit the the first set and then it went through and hit the second set and somehow they, they Oh, and then they can figure out the, the velocity from that. And of course yeah. the issue the issue with that is that you're not getting the velocity from when it leaves his hand. Exactly. You're getting its after it's already traveled sixty feet. So it's exactly. it's slowed down a bit by then. But yeah, yeah. so uh a little interesting uh, trivia there. Yeah. Go watch Fastball, it's a documentary. It it's really good. Like, really, really interesting. hmm And that is going to lead us to our main segment today. Hector Espino, the Rebel of Chihuahua. All right. And I didn't know anything about this guy. I feel kind of guilty about that because he is the, well, a couple things, the all-time Mexican League leader in home runs and the all-time minor league leader in home runs. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I just don't feel bad because I haven't heard of him either. Yeah, um, it's interesting. We'll, we'll get more into it. Uh, but the league he was in in Mexico was still kind of considered a minor league. Uh, so okay. for so when he was hitting the home runs, they still counted towards the total, which is kind of neat. Got right. double dipped there a little bit. Okay. Uh, but Hector is a fascinating individual, and I'll, I'll say you know at, at first he's kind of difficult to figure out as well, uh, uh, especially from a major league baseball perspective, 
Because uh, when you think about it, baseball in this country and almost every professional sport in America believes and behaves as though they are the absolute pinnacle of the sports, right? Of course. Like MLB, NBA, and the NHL all think, okay, we are the best in the world. And that perspective then rubs off on those fans. And fans assume that players always want to strive for the pinnacle of the profession. Right. But that ain't it. <laughs> uh, so for like a hundred different valid reasons, a generational player can stay in the home league and still be legendary. Uh, they don't need Major League Baseball stamp of approval. And that's exactly what happened with Hector Espino. Uh, so Hector's story starts you know, late 50s, early 60s, but we're going to start in 1964. Uh, this is his third season of professional baseball, and he's already proven himself to be a star in Mexico. Uh, first, first two seasons hit 362 and followed that up with 465. So, <laughs> so is he is he he playing in America right now, or is he in Mexico? We're gonna we're gonna get there. Uh, so the first two seasons there were in Mexico, uh, and then the Jacksonville Suns uh, minor league team f- uh, for the Cardinals they brought Espino up north for a season. So this is his first season in America, and he had a bit of a slow start. Uh, but he got himself hitting an even 300 at the 32 games. So first season in America, hitting 300, perfect. He went back to Mexico. (laughs) And there were a bunch of different reasons purported in newspapers. Um, Some say he was just homesick. Uh, Some say it was good old U.S. racism he didn't like. Um, Others said he liked being a big fish in a small pond in Mexico, being a great player he was. Uh, but his wife said that they had a fine time in Jacksonville and that Espino just wanted to play in Mexico. And, and there's kind of an odd story when he was playing uh, uh, up there. Uh, he was running to catch a fly ball and his hat flew off as he was running. Uh, so he stopped, he scooped up his hat, and then the ball landed for a hit. Oh, man. Just a really odd moment there that happens. I, I think he was just like so, that. yeah. Like reading about him in that moment, it just felt like he was so content within himself that he thought i need my hat yeah i mean you gotta look good you gotta look good because then you're true gonna play good that's rule number one look good you play good you feel good you play good absolutely uh but in reality why he returned to mexico is probably a bit about everything we did mention as well but it's mostly about the pay uh so jacksonville sold espino to the st louis cardinals after the season and espino wanted to take a share of the profits from the sale uh the sale that you know they sold him, so he thought I deserve some of that money. Right, of course. Uh, yeah, but they never gave him a signing bonus for doing that. Uh, so instead of flying to Tampa, Tampa Bay to report with the Cardinals, he just took a flight home back to Chihuahua. So did they? They promised him a signing bonus, and they didn't deliver, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I'd I'd be upset as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Jacksonville, they actually sold the Spino, uh, and they were going to use some of the funds to build a build more of a stadium to improve the stadium. And Espino's like, hey, I just want some of that money that you got because of me. Yeah. That, and it that, just didn't you work. Know, yeah. You, you got because of my labor. Uh, you know, I put my body on the line. I want to get paid. Absolutely. Yeah, this is exactly what we're talking about right now. Right? Yeah. So he thought, well, I have a league back home. I'm just going to go do that. Right. And there was also another aspect in Mexican baseball at the time. Uh, so newspapers around then refer to the players as property, literally property. That's what they label them as, something to be owned. And Espino absolutely hated it. Right. Uh, so when baseball in America you know, just dropped any semblance of respect, it kind of came in flashbacks and says and Espino just didn't need it. 
he so didn't what that so you're saying that that's how the the mexican papers referred they referred to in the six, in the 60s yeah it was property and, that was that was the that was the phrase used that's something that and I don't want to be too much of a downer with this lockout, but that's something that we still do. That that, oh, yeah. player, that p- papers and especially like front offices, they refer to players as assets and as liabilities. And, and we still uh, they, call the people that have the team's owners. They call them owners, and they talk about how this guy's like a good value. It's like no, that's a person, mm-hmm. all right. Like that's that's you know he's he's an athlete, but he's he's a person, right? Like he's it's very intentionally dehumanizing. So and that it, they it, can, and sadly, it is easy to slip into that, especially, you know, fantasy baseball players, people that just yeah. kind of watch the game. Their stats not really attributed to your personality. Yeah. So yeah. when you see things like pe- when players, you know, p- playing pranks on each other or actually understanding how they ha- have a home life, it, it, it humanizes them and it actually makes for a much funner game as well. Yeah, I mean, it all just comes back to, you know, the way we use language is important and it's important to be mindful of it, especially when you're talking about other human beings that they don't exist for your entertainment. Like, yes, that's a part of their job, but they're people and they're just trying to survive like anyone else. Yeah. So just like Espino, he didn't want to be treated as property. So he just left. And that wasn't his last uh, try in America, however, because three years later, um, he gave the California Angels a shot. So the angels came knocking, and he thought, you know, it's pretty close to the border. I can still go home and enjoy myself. Uh, But before spring training even started, the angels manager declared he didn't want any of his players crossing the border during spring training. That seems weird and also targeted. Yes, it very much so was. Uh, And and Espino thought, fine, I'm just going to stay on my side of the border. And he didn't show up. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's. That's pretty clever. <laughs> it's like he's having a good time, Mex. So I don't need the yeah. I don't need this California job. Yeah. And it also came back again to pay. Uh, the Angels were not paying him as much as he thought he was worth. He, in fact, he was getting paid more in Mexico than he would have been with the Angels. Yeah. Um, so why deal with less pay and the racism if you can just have a good time in Mexico? Was, yeah. And in fact, the first season back in Mexico after that happens, um, he beat out Minimosa for the batting title by 21 points. That so is- that's how you know that he wasn't just, you know, a regular player. He beat out Hall of Famer Minimosa. Minimosa, who played for two decades. Minimoso. Like, he's a, a huge Hall of Fame name for mm-hmm. those of you that aren't super familiar with him. So, like, that is, that's a huge uh, credit to, or a huge point to uh, Espino's bona fides, really, as a ball player. That's really impressive. By 21 points, too. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, so, overall, uh, Espino would be courted by a whole bunch of MLB teams. The Yankees, uh, we talked about Cardinals and Angels, Cleveland and Houston. They all kind of wanted him to come up, but no. Because in Mexico, he was a bona fide star, my goodness. Uh, so in his rookie season, we talked about that. He hit 362 with 20 home runs. Um, he led the Monterey Sultans to a championship and was named Rookie of the Year. So right off the bat, literally, we <laughs> having a great career wow. down there. Yeah, seriously. Um, and then he had an injury-shortened sophomore campaign. He only hit 358 with 23 home runs in just 99 games, mind you. And the year he got back uh, from Jacksonville, he got his first batting title in Mexico, finishing with a 371 average and, again, 46 home runs. That is ridiculous. Those are just unreal stats. Video game numbers, as we said a couple episodes ago. Cracks almost 50 home runs. All right, Barry Bonds. I see (laughs) you. 
And the fact that year in 64, he led the league with 117 runs and only two other players in Mexican league history scored more, including Cool Papa Bell. Always got to get a Cool Papa Bell reference in an episode. Now, were they playing in the Mexican League at the same time? No, right? No, so Cool Papa Bell was in the 30s. Uh Okay, yeah, I thought he was much before. Yeah, okay. Cool. Very cool. (laughs) Yeah, and and we had mentioned that he is the all-time home run leader in Mexico, and we'll get to those numbers in a moment here. Uh, But he wasn't necessarily a big home run hitter. He was more like Hank Aaron in that regard. We just hit so well that it's inevitable that some balls are going to find a way over the wall. Right. So here's a quick list of averages, just to kind of throw it at you, that he hit for seasons. 379, 365, 356, 377, 337, 369, 362, and 465. Wow. He almost My goodness. Hit 500? Almost hit that 500. Is... Those are all nuts numbers, right? Like, just, just for a quick, like, palate cleanser, like, you know great average is 300 like that's an all-star mm-hmm. you know if you got a little bit of power 365 or anything above 330 really today like, you're leading the league that's course field numbers yeah and the lowest average you just named was 337 <laughs> everything else is 350 and above and then he hit 465 now was that chronological there, that no was way. not chronological no yeah that is um, crazy yeah uh, l- later on as he aged he hit 297 once uh, so he was, he was getting up ah, there at that point, but wow. still, you know, yeah. he could just hit. <laughs> and 297 is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's that's awesome. Uh, let's see here. So now that's the averages. Home run wise, he was consistent. So overall, he hit 310 home runs in the winter ball, 453 home runs in summer, so the regular season, and of course, three home runs in Jacksonville. Uh, and that winds up with a total of 766 total home runs. Wow, that is really cool. He, you know who he reminds me of? We've talked Who's, about him on his on on the podcast. Uh, he reminds me of Sadaharu O. Yep, <laughs> that's who he reminds me of. Like like uh you know like uh Mexico's version of Sadaharu O. Like that is so cool. And like I I love that he stayed in Mexico because he had you know he had his principles and oh yeah you know, he was practical. Like there's no reason for him to play in America when he's going to get treated horribly. And he's not going to get paid appropriately, and he's not yeah. going to be celebrated like and, he should be. And that was very much his personality. Everyone, you know, refers to him as just a quiet guy that mostly kept to himself. You know, just yeah. being honest, respectful, and just really strong. Um, his family said that his favorite hobby was grilling. So he's just oh, like the Hank Hill of Mexican of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> the Hank Hill. I'll tell you what. I'm going to hit this ball out to tell you <laughs> what. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's great. I want to hang out with this guy. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the, there was a little story as, as well when he was in the one year. I forget exactly what team he was on. Uh, but the team was running promotion where any player that hit the home run got a ticket for a free suit. And he has a good relationship with everyone because he's a, a good guy like that. Yeah. And so Jose, the bus driver, uh, turned to Espino and said, are you going to win me a free suit tonight? And Espino said, sure, Jose, I'll win your suits. And then when Jose looked away, Espino held up two fingers and whispered, two suits. And, <laughs> that, uh, and he won him two suits by hitting two home runs. That, okay, it's, it's, the numbers are one thing, but a true legend has, has a story like oh, yeah. that that is, like, too absurd to be true, but it is, like, that's so great. I love mm-hmm. those, those small little nuggets. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's just a revered figure in Mexican League Baseball, obviously. People talk about him like we would talk about any legendary figure in baseball. He's just right. up there with the esteem. And just the way he carried himself, the great ambassador. Yeah, like that's that is really like start to finish. Like I, from very genuinely not knowing, I had never heard heard this this guy's name before. But like, like the whole story is just so like he stuck to his principles. Yeah, love that snot out of the baseball, and you know he he did what he loved. That's so so cool, you know, because it's it's not often that. You, you see somebody who who really like you know is the full package just like, mm-hmm. like off and on the field like that. so that that is really cool uh question yeah. yeah in the in the header you call him the rebel of chihuahua i know chihuahua's a town is that, right is that is there anything more to that nickname right so the story there um it goes back again to a labor dispute with pay uh, with the team of Chihuahua, I think it was, and the team wasn't paying him enough at all. And so he decided, I'm just going to sit out and not play until I get paid what I'm worth. Right. And so the fans started calling him the rebel of Chihuahua because he kept sticking it to the man. He's he's really kind of like Sadaharu O and Kurt Flood kind of like mixed mm-hmm. into one. A little yeah, bit. and oh. when, when he stepped away from St. Louis, this was still five years before Kurt, Kurt Flood. Right. Yeah. So it's wow. it still wasn't normal for players to say, "No, I'm not getting paid enough. I'm just not going to play." And I just I love that line about uh about how his Angels manager he's like, "I don't want any of my players crossing the border." He's like, "All right, I'll just stay on Oof. my side in Mexico." Like, yeah. yeah and, 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 it's it's a horrible situation to put your your players. It is. In, but like Espino's response, you know, he's like, "All right, I won't cross." The yeah, border. I just won't. I, just won't, I won't And play. it was definitely an issue of racism because some of the newspapers had headlines that were. Yeah. Oh boy! Like you can't mistake that. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm shocked. I'm truly, truly yeah. shocked that baseball was racist. Right. Um, so some other really cool things about Espino here. Uh, so he was intentionally walked with the bases loaded during a playoff game. Wow! Absolutely. Um, overall, 13 batting titles, six home run titles, six MVP awards. Is in the Mexican Baseball Hall of Fame. Is in the Caribbean Baseball Hall of Fame. And again, recognizes the all-time minor league home run king with 484 minor league home runs. Now that would be like that's that's incredible. Uh, but I, I just this kind of kicking off an idea in my head. Like it would be really cool to have an international baseball hall of fame because we have so many issues, of course, with the American version. And I would uh, I would and, love and, for Cooperstown to be the baseball hall of fame. Like period, right? Like yeah, because you got to recognize uh, Hector Espino. You got to recognize guys like Sadaharu O. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Tuffy Rhodes, right? Like, absolutely. You, you, gotta, you gotta recognize the, these players because baseball, while you know MLB is the like, I, you know, it's it's you know the, considered the stage, the the pinnacle, yes, right? It's it's baseball is an international. Sport, yeah, it's right? just a and, small sliver of what's of what's out there, and we're missing great stories. Yeah, I I I had never. I had never heard of Hector Espino yeah. until and, 20 minutes ago. And I have to, unfortunately, I guess, thank the lockout because I thought, I don't want to tell stories about Major League Baseball right now. Right. And baseball exists everywhere. So let's tell those stories. So I think that's what I'm going to do for a little bit on this podcast. I think that's a great idea. Very, very cool. Any any closing words about, about uh, the Rebel of Chihuahua? Oh, man. He was, of course, uh, if somebody has home run t- titles like this, another nickname is the uh, Mexican Babe Ruth.
I feel like everyone's some iteration of Beyblade. Yep, this and, and, and that's why I didn't put that one in the title. Like, we don't, come on, everyone has that. <laughs> yeah. All it's, right. it's just an easy nickname to get. <laughs> I, I, I think that your comparison to, to Henry Aaron's a little more apt in the sense that he was just consistently oh, yeah. you know, hitting the ball well and it translated to home runs. Um, Hector Espino, the Rebel of Chihuahua, uh, altogether fantastic story. Thank you, Hector. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll be back with a, uh, a game right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are <laughs> we are very, hitting the ground running today a very refreshing drink later uh we are back with a uh, a game called rent extend cut uh for those of you who haven't been here while we've played this game uh it's a fun little brain teaser because we like to torture ourselves on this show uh where we take three roughly similar players from throughout baseball history and then we compare them and we decide if we're the general manager which one are we renting uh for just you know one season uh which one are we extending and building a statue of you know keeping for life and then which one are we cutting from the roster entirely uh and And this is we make a lot of people angry with this (laughs) we make a lot of people angry and i'm sure that they're already shaking their fists uh it might be at traffic on the way home but it's probably at us um and now i i said at the top of the show i didn't know which players we had selected for this but i see we've got the duke of flatbush duke snyder as one of them, I am very excited. I think I think I've already got my my pick lined up. But well, that's that's just one guy. Who are the other guys? Okay, so let me scroll down a little bit. Duke Snyder. Oh, Andrew Jones. <laughs> Andrew Jones. Interesting. And Jim Edmonds. Okay, these are all. Yeah, we're gonna have a tough time with this one. I didn't realize they were so close together. Yeah, like, they were all extremely similar. Uh, so so. If you listen at home to a top line idea, uh, let's just use war, for example, over the course of their career. Um, So Duke Snyder has a career war of 65.9. Andrew Jones, 62.7. Jim Edmonds, 60.4. So they're all right within striking distance of each other. And I think uh, an important note, uh, if this is the first time that you're listening to this, we don't do this based on pure stats. We do this based on a combination of that and heart. You know, because that's what baseball is about. It's it's having, you know, it's it's really the holistic view of the player. Uh, wow. And we've got yeah, some I, good names. My heart tells me one thing already. Okay. What's your, what's your initial? <laughs> my, my heart is I'm building the statue of Andrew Jones because, my goodness, I loved watching him play. And uh, you can go look up highlights. And the highlights of this man, you see the ball hit in center field and you go, there's that's not possible, but he closes the gap and dives for that ball so well. I mean, there's a reason why he's a 10 time golden Glover. 
we have very different memories of Andrew Jones. <laughs> I, I so I gotta see I gotta see a young Andrew Jones at his peak. I remember watching him then. Yeah. And of course, the argument goes he had a great first half and terrible second half. But the argument goes um, if you flip his career around uh, to where it's you know mediocre in the beginning and fantastic right. to end, he'd be a right. shoe in the Hall of Fame. Uh, right. But it's that weird dichotomy in the bifurcation, if you will, of his career. Okay. Okay. And yeah, and, and that's the thing about. I feel like him and Edmonds are very close together here. It, this is going to be interesting because Duke Snyder is he's got more more wins above replacement, right? The single counting stat. Uh, yeah, he, he also has considerably Snyder. more um time in the league than like Jim Edmonds for example. Yeah, let's let's compare that first. Like okay. how, how long did each player play? Um let's see. I don't have the years, but I do have the at-bats, which gives you a pretty good indicator. Um so Duke Snyder had 7,100 at-bats, Jim Edmonds, 6,800. So, you know, maybe half a season more. Okay. Now, the thing the thing about Edmonds and Andrew Jones that really sticks out to me is because they, they really, they're considered two of the best fielders, outfield defensive outfielders of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, I unfortunately don't have super great memories of, of either because at the early 2000s, I was... I was in I'll, kindergarten in 2004. I'll, t- so. I'll tell you what. After, after this podcast, I got the links next to the names. Go just look at some of those highlights, and it's phenomenal. I've seen the, I've seen the highlights for sure, but I, I what I'm saying is I don't have that like personal, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I I wasn't I wasn't growing up when Andrew Jones was tracking stuff down in Atlanta. I did see I do remember uh, Jim Edmonds in uh, Anaheim, or I yeah, guess California, it, right? It, it is easy to kind of lose that perspective because, like, when you say Duke Snyder, of course I know the name, I know the Hall of Famer, but it's I don't have those visual memories of him laying out and just being an amazing yeah. player. I just know, oh, Hall of Famer. So the 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 converse of of the Andrew Jones uh, argument or conversation that we were having was I I did say I remember Andrew Jones, I remember him for the wrong reasons because when yeah. he was when he. So Andrew Jones played, uh, you know, he came up in 1996 and he played with the uh, with Atlanta for 11 years. Mm-hmm. There. Oh. And that's where he he really that was where he was, you know, a borderline Hall of Fame talent. Um, you know, he hit 30 plus home runs for like four straight seasons. You know, he's oh, he, that's that's like, a gold glove defense center field. That is yeah. that is a Hall of Famer right there platinum glove defense but then he comes you know so 2008 he's only 31 yeah he came to the dodgers and put up the worst season i've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life he had a 38 wins wrc plus a 38 yeah that's that's not ideal and he that's, lost a couple of steps as well if i remember correctly 38 that's oh i'm gonna why do i keep making myself do math live on air 38 that's that's what a uh a that's less than 47 percent that's oh like <laughs> <laughs> wow that's that's yeah that's like what 62 percent worse than the yeah it's not it's not great we, we didn't have a good time there that's terrible like he hit he hit 158 with the dodgers in in 75 games yeah but i mean those first those first 11 seasons though phenomenal well i just remember like and i've i've Okay. I, I've I've had this argument uh about Andrew Jones whether he's a Hall of Famer or not, um enough to where I kind of, you know I, I feel like I, I feel fine like kind of commenting on his career because he just kind of like I'm never gonna say an athlete gave up but I feel like he lost that drive a little bit because he 
I don't know. He also got old. That's part of it. Yeah. He got old, and it, it his cliff, his fall off just happened so rapidly. It, it, it did happen real fast. And it was like as soon as he turned thirty, like even in Atlanta that last season, like he was a below average hitter, still you know, de- you know, usable, but he wasn't in the Grand Canyon just yet. But yeah, so it's it's kind of hard for me to kind of rationalize that alongside the the very great years from Andrew Jones. So I feel like that might end up being the differentiator here because when you're talking about three, oh, in this case, one Hall of Famer and, you know, a couple guys that are borderline, I feel like that is really you gotta draw the line in the sand somewhere. So that kind of just immediately puts me okay. okay, I'll put Andrew Jones to the side for now. I'll come back. Jim Edmonds, uh, right up there with with Andrew Jones in terms of of defense, he was incredible. The one highlight I think everyone remembers is that that diving catch yep. into the wall. Like he's diving. So for those of you who haven't seen this, um, go on YouTube and just type in Jim Edmonds. It's the first thing that pops up. I guarantee it. Um, but I'll I'll run down the place. This guy hits a ball. He's on the Angels. He's playing center field. Guy hits a ball over his head. He's running full tilt. Lays out like dives backwards in the sense that like he dives away from home plate, right? He's diving towards the wall, mm-hmm. lays out and like basket catches this, this baseball in the most one of the, it's gotta be a top five catch in MLB history. Like it's up there with the, the Willie Mays play. I I'd probably say, I don't know. What do you think about that? Is that, is that a hot take? It might be a little hot. It's a, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a little hot, but you're not wrong. in suggesting like it at all. There. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not it's an amazing play. play. Yeah. Uh, the difference is Jim Edmonds, like Andrew Jones, phenomenal hitter right uh 434 home runs career yeah phenomenal hitter jim edmonds i like also a phenomenal hitter i i just feel like in my gut i i don't know if it's just my bias my anti andrew jones bias um or what the the difference is like i don't know jim edmonds like He also cracked a lot of home runs too. He hit forty home runs once. He almost did it, or he hit it twice actually. He almost. Did it. I, I I can see that you're just trying to find a reason to cut I, Andrew Jones. I, That's I, what you're doing right now. I am, and I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it's just. No, I, I get, again, it's not, it's not all about the numbers. I, I get that he's a ten-time Gold Glover and a five-time All Star. And I get it's not all about the numbers. You just have to go with your gut sometimes. Well, I feel like I, I try to do half and half because there is there. You know, I mean, quite a, few, quite a bit of this is is numbers based. You know, as I'm looking over their spreadsheets, and there's not like a huge differentiator between him and Edmonds. Yeah, I, I like mean, Edmonds was the better player. Like I don't know, Jones feels like he was more consistent towards the front half of his career. He even cracked 51 home runs in 2005. I'm seeing 41. Like he had. They both had huge power at mm-hmm. times. They both obviously played stellar defense. I just feel like, you know, when you you kind of look at the the whole image, Jim Edmonds finished his career with a 132 WRC plus. He had f- six consecutive years, almost seven of having it above like above you know 145. Like Jim Edmonds, like his, it, it's nuts because he really and, hit a second wind at age thirty. He goes yeah, and, and based Lewis. off consistency, Edmonds makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but again, yeah. I'm going with my heart. Go with your heart. No, that's that's good. I just think that when you compare the two, I'm giving the nod to Jim Edmonds above Andrew Jones. And the more I I talk myself into it, I guess the better I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. We'll 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 see there. Now, Duke Snyder, I feel like. 
Duke Snyder, when we talk about Hall of Fame ball players, he gets overlooked he a does. more than he deserves. And it's understandable when you consider the time and place that he played. So Duke Snyder was one of three Hall of Fame center fielders in New York City at the time he played. <laughs> The he, reason nobody talks about him yep. is because he wasn't Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle. <laughs> like he's going up against two, two top, quite possibly top ten. Uh, you know, two very inner circle Hall of Famers. And yeah, he's and then Duke Snyder across the road. Yeah, and and it's just he's not like. Can you imagine growing up in New York City and having Willie having Mays, those three Mickey Mantle, Duke Snyder, not to mention you know Jackie Robinson and oh Boyle. my goodness, like, it, how could they move the team out of there? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad they did. Um, <laughs> they. <laughs> Uh, there's there's some like 99 year old Brooklyn fan out there just really angry with you right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want my super bars back. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> can you imagine still calling him that? <laughs> um, Make it happen. I gotta say though, like, so here's the differentiator: is Duke Snyder wasn't a good like a great fielder like them. I mean, he was fine. He was. Solid. Well, I mean, it was a completely different. Oh, are you, you're talking like Willie Mays, or I guess at this point it doesn't matter with the defense between those three guys. Yeah. Uh, he was still a solid fielder. Well, he was a solid fielder. I just mean in the context, not even Willie Mays and Mickey. I mean in the context of Jim Edmonds and Andrew Jones, who were generational talents in center field. He wasn't on that level at all. Uh, yeah, it's tough to say because all the highlights that we have, they're very grainy. And, of course, it still highlights from back in the day. So it looks yeah. a little bit out of place I mean, compared to what – The 50s, right? Like, yeah. But he he was a very good – he was a good fielder. I like how we're like disparaging a Hall of Famer. Like he, oh, yeah, he was good. He was fine. No, but but that's the thing is like I feel like those two guys have more of an argument on the fielding side. Where Duke Snyder, most of his he, argument is just based on bats, slapping the, the hell absolute out of the ball. bat, uh-huh. like just just hammering the baseball. Like I'm looking at his just WRC plus totals. So he so 50, 1952, uh, he goes one thirty five next year, uh, one sixty five, one seventy, one sixty four, one fifty six, one forty six, on and on and on, like incredible like like truly a phenomenal hitter he hit uh you know like 300 for more honestly more times than he didn't it looks like so about, you know anyway, so it sounds like all of this obviously you're, obviously you're cutting jones you that's been decided keeping, you knew i was keeping duke snyder yeah um because i have to and and he was also one of those ball players where like we said there's there's stats but there's also heart in this he was one of my uh, I had a book growing up that was about Duke Snyder, and that was like I was a huge Duke Snyder fan, which is a really weird thing for an eleven-year-old to be into. <laughs> is is a ball player that played, uh, and know, and years. also by the way, um, grade A baseball name, Duke Snyder. Oh, that puts him over the top. I yeah, think absolutely. The three, he dominates that. Um, <laughs> I it, like. I think that name just needs to come back. Start calling kids Duke again. Duke, That's cool. That's it is. Name um yeah i gotta go duke snyder the guy who cra- cracked 40 home runs in five straight seasons from 53 to 57 407 career home as a center fielder as well as, yeah as, yeah and like that's just he's just a monster like i can't i can't get over that i can't like like that's that's kind of like that conversation we had during the PitchCon episode where we were talking about edgar martinez where it's like how much mm. is a bat a bat of that stature real how much is that worth without mm-hmm. and, and this is you know he has the benefit of he is a, still a very capable and very good fielder out there in the outfield he's just not jim edmonds or andrew jones and i think so i gotta i'm building the statue of duke snyder i, I can't um, fault you there 
can't yeah uh you knew it was coming when you you made this list uh and then i gotta i'm sorry atlanta i gotta give the nod to jim edmonds over Andrew right. jones i'm i'm probably you know i don't know i i but for, I, for, for, but, but the rental member is different like true. if you get peak andrew jones versus peak jim edmonds that's true that's very very true i still think I, <laughs> I still think okay let's look at andrew jones's peak season here just just based off of yeah sure uh, so that that's probably 2000 yeah it's 2005 when he hit 51 home runs oh hit 263 gosh. had a 134 wrc plus uh 51 home runs that's incredible and golden that's, gloves defense that is a very that's rarefied air yeah and especially yeah like best best fielder in the league i mean man time. um Whereas, uh, okay, so let's look at Jim Edmonds' best year. Yeah, yeah, I'm going Jim Edmonds. I just okay. fight it. So his okay. best year, 2004, actually. So they're doing this at the same time. Uh, hit only 42 home runs, but he backed Scrub. it up with a 301 average. And you know his, you know, he slugged a lot better, and he 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 was still providing that same impeccable defense out in center field. He just did it, you know, he had a total, what, 8.3 war, where in, you know, his 51 home run season, uh, Aaron Jones had 7.9. Okay, so pretty Man, cool. yeah. That is really cool. I feel like that would be an interesting, like, kind of like a, we could do an episode just based on these two guys. Oh, kinda, easy. I I guess, like, I didn't realize how similar they were in a lot of ways, because, uh, I, I mean, and I think also part of it is I didn't realize how good of a hitter Jim Edmonds was because I no, just yeah. remember, I remember seeing veteran Jim Edmonds. Uh, and I remember, you know, on the, the world series winning uh, Cardinals team, uh, you know, when, when they were, uh, you know, at the tail end of his career when he's almost mm-hmm. pushing 40 and he's yeah, that's, still solid, but. And that's exactly why I chose these guys because they were so similar. You really cannot go wrong, yeah. but it's just painful I, to have to cut someone. I think that really, though, like I said earlier, the separator really is that Andrew Jones fell off a cliff when he turned 30, and Jim mm. Edmonds aged like a fine wine. Okay. Uh, I think that's that's the differentiator. And the more I – I'm, I'm really good at just convincing myself. <laughs> oh, I know. You're, you're, you're for, talking for yourself into it. At, yeah, at this really point, at this point Andrew Jones' name is dirt to you. <laughs> okay, let's not go that far. I, I, I mean – I mean, yeah. Anyway, so I uh, final answer. I am uh, building a statue of Duke Snyder. I'm renting uh, Jim Edmonds because because over the course of the season, like I could I can lose the ten home runs from Andrew Jones, which is kind of a preposterous thing to say in favor of better average, more consistency at the plate because that's going to come in big in the okay. postseason when you need somebody who can who's a little more consistent uh, on the hitting side, at least at least hitting for average. Um, and you still get that that amazing that transcendent defense. And yeah, like I I, I want to say probably Andrew Jones is probably edges him out a little bit on the defensive end. Uh, I'll give that a con maybe a little consolation to the Atlanta fans listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Jim Edmonds from the start to finish of his career, I feel like he's just a little more complete of a ball player. That's, that's kind of tastes strong when I say it. it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to, I don't know if I, I'm going to sleep on this. I'm going to come back next episode and then we'll see if my answer is the same. Uh, cause it's, it's, we're splitting hairs with these guys mm-hmm. and I get, that's the whole point of this is to, you know, put a pretzel in our heads and to get us to doubt our, our knowledge of baseball. And you consider it a success, Brandon, you've effectively broken my, my, that's, uh, that's, that's all I can my, ask for. 
my uh, confidence in my baseball. I figured if I just if I just yeah. let you talk for a little bit, you end up just breaking yourself psychologically, and then I shall be <laughs> the only host of Short Hops and Tall Tales. <laughs> wow, that was. Uh, it's all part of the plan, man. That's a good prank. Uh, is, is driving me out to the desert and threatening to kill me uh, with a couple of goons. But yeah, go not- go listen to the last episode, folks, for that reference. Yeah. Uh, so, but for me here, of course, I said I'm building that statue of Andrew Jones because I okay. love defense more than anything else. Um, right. If I can have Jones and like Ozzie Smith in the same team together, uh, uh, oh, everything about it. Um, and I'm having a passing thought. Maybe I do rent. A Jim Edmonds, for example, for like half a season for the playoff push, uh, that just be, because he was impact the impact bad, absolutely great fielder. That would be a horrifying defense to hit into <laughs> with Andrew yes, Jones and yes. Jim Edmonds, like in the and, outfield. And then for fun, let's throw Ichiro on the right field. You wouldn't um, even need a third fielder in the outfield. You just have yeah. those left center, right center. All right, you guys got it. But um, in 1953, Duke Snyder hit 336. Um, OPS 1.046. You can't say no to that. Damn um, right. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to rent me some Duke Snyder. And sorry, Jim Edmonds. Love you, but I got to cut you. You just want to say Duke Snyder's name. Duke that's, Snyder. That's perfectly acceptable. He reminds me of, now I'm thinking of Duke Silver from Parks and Rec. Yep, yeah. that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> yeah. That was a really, a really balanced argument because I still hate my answer. So I feel like that's the mark of a good, uh, a good yeah. cut. When you, when, when you finish up the podcast and you're still second guessing yourself and thinking, I don't deserve <laughs> this right now. Yeah, that's, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see what the, the folks on Twitter, we should start making these into polls, I think. That'd be good. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's that's do that. That's a good idea. Yeah. We'll do that for this one. So uh, if you... If you hated our answers, uh, res- interact with us on Twitter. Tell or us just why. hated Noah's answer. Or you, hey, that's perfectly <laughs> fair. I, I don't love my own answers anyway, and I never claim to be an expert on on. Uh, I, well, I don't know. We run a podcast. Is that? I was just going to say. Wait a minute. <laughs> we got to have some credibility here. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, uh, reach out to us. Feel free to actually pose your own uh, trios of players, and we'll break those down. Why have we not opened that up before? Let's let's. Well, we'll do that. Um, so, yeah, please uh, let us know what you think about our answers. Uh, give us yours. Give us your reasoning. Uh, and then if you want, give us another trio of players to discuss. Uh, and uh, we'll do that on a future episode. Yeah, and we'll get sad over it, too. And we will hate ourselves for that as well. So, <laughs> anyway, if you enjoyed what you heard tonight, uh, please follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter at Short Hops PL. Feel free to harass us at that uh, at that tag. Uh, follow Brandon at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A. Scott 6. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review if you like. Uh, please tell your friends. Help us reach new audiences. Yeah. So uh, for Brandon Riddle, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time. <laughs>